This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Confronting a killer, the devastating impact on victims of the Lynn Valley stabbing spree. A trip to the grocery store with life-changing consequences. She looked at me, she says, you're very lucky to be alive. A victim of the Whole Foods car crash shares her story. Plus, how she says ICBC is adding insult to injury. And concert confusion. We still don't know if she's not performing or not. Fans left in limbo over Madonna's paused tour. And the potential ripple effect of even one cancelled show. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. Chris is off tonight. New insight today into the troubled history of the man who pleaded guilty to second degree murder and six other charges in the Lynn Valley stabbings. Today marks day two of Yannick Mandalgo's sentencing hearing. Our Troy Charles was in court today and joins us with more on what we've been learning about Mandalgo's past and the powerful victim impact statements read out in court today. Troy. Yes, Sophie, over the last two days, we heard seven victim impact statements, each of them heartbreaking in their own way, and a common theme amongst them describing the accused Yannick Bendago as a monster. Through tears, a woman described how her son's fiancé was murdered during the stabbing spree. She says her son is left to deal with constant heart loneliness. She says her beautiful spirit will forever live inside my heart and inside all that knew and loved her. She was a reminder of all that is good in this world, something you will never kill. Thursday, the Crown focused on Bendago's extensive criminal past, which includes previous charges of assault with a weapon, the weapon being a knife. Also, charges of threatening and possession of a weapon, once again, the weapon being a knife. Also, while in custody in 2022 and 2023, two separate charges for assaulting a peace officer. The Crown also highlighted two psychiatric reports done on Bendago just this year. Both found the accused has an antisocial personality disorder. It's basically give, give us, uh, give the judge and give the court a detail of his history about that it's not his first encounter with the criminal justice system. Crown Defense are proposing, uh, have proposed a, a period of uh, eligibility or eligibility of 15 years. And keep in mind that this, this is a life sentence. Now the question that has remained in the two years since this attack is why? Well, tomorrow, on the final day of sentencing, we may have that answer as Bendago himself is expected to read a statement. And Sophie, those with ties to this whole ordeal, hopeful that that statement will offer some insight into what motivated Bendago to commit such a heinous crime. Back to you. All right, thanks for that. Troy Charles reporting at BC Supreme Court for us tonight. Surrey RCMP are investigating a targeted shooting that's left a neighborhood on edge. It happened near 158th Street and 80th Avenue just before 6 p.m. Wednesday. 
Police say one group of men, a one group of men was shooting at another group of men and an 18 year old man was hit and fled the scene in a vehicle. He was located later and taken to hospital and is expected to survive. Police say he is well known to them and is involved in the drug trade. Many people who live in the area heard the gunshots and say it's lucky no one was hit by a stray bullet. I heard a bang, bang, bang. Policeman was looking for, they told my husband they, over there the hole, then I saw. Problem is we have no police presence. I mean, there's a lot of crap that goes on around. You just ignore your phone and there's no response. So we're bending the locks. There's no problem in Surrey. I better, she better wake up. Police are now searching for those in a black Honda Civic that fled the scene. And homicide investigators are working to determine if a burned out Kia Nero discovered yesterday in Port Moody is linked to a deadly shooting in Coquitlam July 2nd. Port Moody police were notified of the vehicle fire last evening in a parking area in Rocky Point Park. Investigators are also looking for a white Kia Nero, the suspect, the suspect vehicle connected to the homicide of 25 year old Karnvir Singh Garcha. Garcha was dropped off at the scene in the 500 block of Foster Avenue minutes before he was killed July 2nd. The integrated homicide investigations team says after the shooting, the suspect returned to a Kia Nero and fled the scene. Forensics investigators are now processing the burned out Nero found in Port Moody to see whether that is the vehicle they have been looking for. It's day the BC port workers strike and pressure is building on both sides to get back to the bargaining table. But as Paul Johnson reports, both the union and employer are blaming each other for ramping up the rhetoric while there are growing calls for Ottawa to intervene. Judging from the mood in East Van Thursday morning, the chances of a quick resolution to the port workers strike are slim to non-existent. Talks have broken down, and the union is accusing their employers of trying to smear them through the media, allegedly leaking stats about workers' pay that they say is exaggerated and misleading. I want to send a message out to the employer. Negotiations are done at the bargaining table, not through the media. Well, this is a personal checkbook issue for the hundreds who marched Thursday. For a country like Canada, Closing down the port of Vancouver is nothing short of a national economic security issue. Each day the strike continues, billions of dollars worth of trade is held up, with the effects cascading and compounding by the hour. We're calling on the federal government to intervene immediately to bring an end to this dispute. Vancouver Board of Trade President Bridget Anderson sent a letter to the Prime Minister urging him to recall Parliament and legislate them back to work. Backed by dozens of allied business groups across the country and the Premier of Alberta. Anderson points out the so-called nuclear option was used by Ottawa two years ago to settle a similar strike in Montreal. Like many business associations, we are really concerned about the impact not only on our economy right across Canada, but also the impact on our international reputation as a stable trading partner. We reached out to both the president of the union and to the association that represents employers. Neither responded to our offer for an interview. Now as to that issue of six-figure pay for port workers, the union says 
Its members who top out at those levels only do so after decades of sporadic and then part-time work, and only through heavy overtime and shift work. In East Van, Paul Johnson, Global News. Residents of a housing co-op in Surrey say they are faced with finding new homes or paying huge rent increases and they have no protection under the law. As Kamal Karmali reports, the problem is with the ownership of the property. The residents of Totem Housing Co-op in South Surrey called their current living conditions deplorable. Yeah, I think it's almost skid row here how they're handling it. Piles of leftover furniture, discarded household items, black mold inside homes, squatters camping inside the vacant units. They're doing everything that they can to threaten us and make us feel like we're not wanted. You can see for most of the units here, the doors have been left ajar. The units are clearly vacated and empty. What once was 58 families and individuals now dwindled down to a handful. The new owners hiking up the rent to market values with an ultimatum. Agree to the steep rent increase or move out by July 1st. Lavina, paying just over $700 per month, is now being asked to fork over closer to $2,800, something she can't afford. They're taking away all the good memories that we had living here. It hurts and it makes me angry. Totem is one of only eight co-ops on private land. In 2017, when the previous pension fund owners offered the co-op a chance to buy the land, they chose not to. The lease for the land expired in late 2022. The landowner then decided to sell the property to KVA Developments. And the type of vulnerable people who live here, this is one of the few safe havens that people like us have. Uh, Kamal with Global News, we just have a few questions. Global News spoke to someone who identified himself as an employee with the new owner. Uh, Why aren't you able to speak on this? You're the property manager, from what I understand. These residents have said you're the I'm person. a caretaker, and I've been asked to only have one of the principals speak to you. Even after trying to contact their office, no response. Very rare to see someone, uh, a co-op being leased by a private landlord. And so uh, this is, it's unfortunate. I know that the BC uh, Co-op Housing Association has been working closely with residents to find them alternative co-op locations. But those remaining say they have no place to go. I'm gonna be couch surfing back and forth on my daughter and my son's couches. And wondering how they fell through the cracks. Kamal Karamali, Global News. Bidding wars have become a hallmark of the real estate market in B.C., but a change by the industry itself is aimed at making the process more transparent. Aaron MacArthur has more on the new disclosure form meant to keep prospective buyers in the loop on multiple offers. Sold. Over asking. Sold in one day. Sold. 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 The real estate industry is happy to push their successes on a public desperate to buy a home to live in. A lack of supply fueling prices that almost everyone agrees are unsustainable. Real estate boards in Metro Vancouver have now provided some measure of protection for buyers in multiple offer situations. Sellers will now have to disclose the number of bidders on every sale. And this ensures consistent communication within a set timeline. Hopeful home buyers who maybe weren't successful in the transaction at least can have that comfort of knowing a little bit more information and have confidence in, in the transaction process. Some real estate agents say the measures don't go nearly far enough. Sellers only have to list the bidder's agencies, not individual brokers. 
and the disclosure won't include how much each offer bid. And unlike other jurisdictions, the disclosure will only be made 24 hours after an accepted offer. In Toronto, they have a system where when you submit the offer, you actually have to register. So you, you register in real time. And so it provides a bit more clarity up front. While the measures being introduced might not go far enough for some, there are many in the real estate industry that believe, coupled with the cooling off period brought in by the NDP, this disclosure will help buyers. I think everything that can be done to level the playing field for potential purchasers is a good thing. The changes to the multiple offer disclosure will kick in July 17th. They will affect the Greater Vancouver, Fraser Valley, and Chilliwack real estate boards. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. A West Vancouver woman has been facing a long and painful recovery after she was pinned by a runaway car inside a grocery store. Jasmine Osterman says not only was the crash a major physical trauma, but she says dealing with ICBC to access follow-up care has been frustrating. Catherine Urquhart reports. I'm struggling with that. Talking about what happened one month ago remains difficult for Jasmine Osterman. She was shopping at West Vancouver's Whole Foods when she heard a boom and saw a car coming toward her. I tried to jump to my left, which is my least dominant side. I got pinned against a stationary table and the car was still coming right at me, pushing all these metal uh, mangled tables by the, with produce flying everywhere. And I remember thinking, oh, God, I'm going to die. Osterman says she turned, then felt metal slicing into her backside. Fortunately, a doctor was there shopping. The doctor assessed my backside, and she saw the very deep, uh, large laceration, and she applied compression to it to stop the bleeding. The deep wound required internal stitches and 21 external stitches. The former nurse says she was left in extreme pain and disappointed by ICBC's response. They should have had a wound care nurse or, as ICBC would have liked, an OT, an occupational therapist, come and assess me day one. How many days did it take for ICBC to come and assess you? 20, post-injury. ICBC claims Mrs. Osterman was initially reluctant to allow an occupational therapist to visit her home, adding... She's entitled to $1,589 per month for personal care assistance from the day she returned home from the hospital. As Osterman recovers from the bizarre incident, it's still unclear why the crash happened. It remains under investigation. Catherine Urquhart, Global News. Frustration for Madonna fans. People don't know what to do. Do I cancel my flights? Do I cancel this? What do I do? The lengths some went to for a chance to see the material girl in Vancouver and why they feel left in limbo in just over a minute. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Going nowhere fast while you're advised to check your flight before heading to YVR. What's causing numerous delays later? Plus... 
I still give the coaches a little bit of advice. New Westminster's lacrosse legend, Jack Fulton's storied history with the Salmon Bellies, how he built a winning team later tonight. Right now, though, Madonna fans who've been planning to see the Material Girl kick off her world tour in Vancouver are still waiting to find out what's happening with the show. The tour is on pause while the pop star deals with health problems. And while fans are sympathetic, as Julie Nolan reports, some are also frustrated they spent big bucks to get here. My favorite artist, Madonna. Every day I'm reminded of how far I've come in life how far she's come in life, and how much she's changed the world with her music and her artistry. For Kane Black, a super fan of Madonna, his connection to the artist is deep. As a child in foster care, he was beyond grateful for her influence. She was like a, the mother that was never there, right? So, and I think for a lot of gay men in particular, that she was a huge pillar in the gay community. I went back to my 17th. The 64-year-old singer was supposed to make the first stop in Vancouver on July 15th as part of her celebration world tour. To be someone I've never been. But on June 24th, she was hospitalized for a bacterial infection, ending up in ICU. I even said it to my friends, I'm like, I bet you anything. She cancels the first show. Not yet cancelled, although the tour is postponed for now, no other information is being released and tickets are no longer being sold for the Vancouver show as of Thursday afternoon. But that's not what Black wants to hear after booking the trip for himself and seven of his friends. It's all the work that went into making it happen. Now we have to come up with all these alternative ways and risk losing thousands of dollars in deposits and airfare. According to a 2018 study by the Music BC Industry Association, live music and festivals generate nearly $700 million in annual revenue across sectors in Vancouver alone. It's the greatest hits tour. This is something that we've wanted for decades. Black says he understands the material girl's health issues, but calls the lack of communication confusing and frustrating. Global News didn't get very far either. We reached out to Live Nation and Ticketmaster for clarification on what fans can do or expect, but we got no real answers. Nobody knows because they haven't released any official comments. And I refuse to book to see her in Vancouver unless she's in my hometown. Typically, fans will have to wait several weeks to see if they can get their money back or whether a new concert date will be added. Julie Nolan, Global News. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau is weighing in on Taylor Swift's apparent snub of Canada during her world tour. Paraphrasing some of her songs, Trudeau tweeted at the pop star, It's me. Hi. I know places in Canada would love to have you, so don't make it another cruel summer. We hope to see you soon. Swift's massive Eras tour added 14 new international dates yesterday, bringing the total number of shows on the tour to 131. But for some reason, not a single Canadian date has been announced. The summer driving season is here, and so are the challenges booking a rental vehicle. It's always in your best interest to book a car rental right away. What's driving demand and some tips and tricks to get what you want next. Also ahead, what this map shows about the Knox Mountain wildfire and why Kelowna RCMP want to speak with anyone in the green area. We'll show you that map coming up. 
No injuries after a small plane crash at Langley Airport. The crash generated a large response at around 4.20 this afternoon. It appears a Cessna overran the runway, crashed through a fence and came to a rest near a pathway in a public park. The lone occupant walked away from the crash. The 44-year-old plane suffered significant damage to its nose gear. Well, for the second time in a month, air traffic control delays have slowed flights at Vancouver International Airport. The calm atmosphere at YVR conceals the fact that 110 flights were delayed today. That's a little less than 15% of the entire schedule. The airport is pointing the finger at Nav Canada, the country's air traffic control company, saying staff shortages mean fewer flights can be handled. Nav Canada calls it a traffic management initiative, though the impact was felt by more than 10,000 people people just at YVR. Nav Canada suffered a similar slowdown in June. The company says 400 controllers are in training to bolster the ranks. Well, if you're planning a road trip this summer, don't expect many deals when it comes to renting a vehicle. Industry experts say supplies are still tight, especially in Canada. Let's bring in Consumer Matters reporter Andrew with details and some ways to save at the rental counter. And Thanks, Sophie. Now more than ever, car rental industry experts tell us book your vehicle as early as you can, but check back often to see if you can strike a better deal. When it comes to renting a car this summer, expect a repeat of last year. While the situation is easing somewhat, Industry experts say there just isn't enough supply to meet strong, seasonable demand, especially in Canada. Compounding that, the vehicles we have been able to access in the last three years um, are at uh, significantly higher cost structures than, the, than we've experienced in the past. That includes higher repair costs, financing and insurance, which inevitably gets passed on to the consumer. While prices are expected to remain steady, money and travel experts say don't expect many deals either. So how best to save? Book your rental vehicle, but check back frequently for a better price. It's always in your best interest to book a car rental right away and check every week or so to see if the prices has gone down. If it has gone down, just rebook it and cancel your old reservation. Just make sure the car rental policy includes free cancellation and you make the change more than 24 hours before you arrive at the rental counter. When it comes to choosing a rental vehicle, the type of car you select can make a big difference. Smaller cars like a sedan can cost less than an SUV. Uh, so you really got to look at the different types of cars and realize that it can be way more cost efficient if you go for a lower class. So yeah, it would be great to drive a convertible down the Pacific Coast Highway in California, but not if you're spending $100 more a day. Buying the optional collision damage waiver, which limits or eliminates your financial liability for any damage to the rental car, can be an unnecessary expense, but only if you understand your auto insurance policy, home insurance, and credit card insurance. The coverage that you have through ICBC or through your BC car insurance policy is only applicable in Canada or the U.S. So when you're traveling outside of those countries, it's really important to explore your options. And of course, always take the time to read the fine print of any policy. Also, consider refueling your rental vehicle before returning it. If you don't, you'll likely pay more than the local price at the pump.
It's also recommended you pack your current auto insurance policy to avoid any issues at the rental counter. Also, renting a car outside of the airport may save you a few dollars, but inventory tends to be a bit limited. Costs compare different locations for best price, and you may want to factor in the transportation costs to pick up the vehicle, not to mention the extra time it can take. And if you have a consumer issue for me, you can email me at consumermatters at globalnews.ca. All right. Thanks, Anne. Honda is recalling more than 124,000 vehicles in Canada and the U.S. over a potential problem with the system. The vehicles were reported to have a loose fastener that connects the brake booster and the brake master cylinder, which would potentially cause the brakes to lose function. The models include some Civic, Ridgeline, Passport, Pilot and Acura MDX models between 2020 and 2023. So far, the automaker has received two warranty claims related to the issue in North America since September of last year. Affected owners will get a letter about the recall and will be able to have their vehicles inspected and repaired free of charge at Honda dealerships. Coming up, dealing with disorder in BC's capital city. It's about making people feel more comfortable in those areas where there are problems. A Victoria councillor's proposal for taxpayer-funded private security. Plus, residents of a new Westminster neighbourhood bearing with a disturbance today. A Victoria councillor wants the city to look into the possibility of paying for added security in neighbourhoods that have been affected by sheltering sites and supportive housing facilities. As Richard Zussman reports, the cost of crime is hitting businesses harder than ever. No matter how quickly Josh Goyard and his team at the Ruby serve customers, there's one thing they can't keep up with. It takes a lot of eggs to make up the cost of fixing a broken window. On Thursday, Victoria City Council considering a motion to address these concerns. Councillor Stephen Hammond suggesting the city step in and help pay for growing security costs. The taxpayer doesn't care where the security is coming from. They, they don't go along with the issue of, sorry, uh, it's not my table, I can't serve you. We've got a security issue, some of them that is our issues and some of the province. Either way, until those things are worked out, we should be given better security. Hammond's motion was defeated around the council table, but that doesn't mean businesses aren't seeing costs pile up. Hiring private security, installing security cameras, fixing shattered windows, reinforcing doors, and closing down early because staff are worried to leave late at night. According to the Canadian Federation for Independent Business, 61% of businesses in BC have experienced vandalism, 43% have been impacted by homeless encampments, and 35% have had staff or customers harassed. Trying to look at a mechanism to help financially support these businesses uh, when really what we are hearing is that there's not a lot of resources available to them. Cleaning up graffiti or addressing the cost of vandalism or security is so far something the provincial government hasn't been interested to do. Instead, opting to look at the roots of crime by reforming bail conditions with the federal government. When you add that extra security wage uh, to the mix, it adds uh, to your cost structure. When you see more theft happening out of your store, uh, of course, costs are, are going to impact you. Back at the Ruby, Goyard says customers and staff are increasingly feeling unsafe. There's a prevailing feeling of, you know, a little bit of like um, frustration, I would say, in the downtown business uh, community. Um, we want a little bit more help. Uh, it's not always coming. 
And while his team delivers for customers oh, no, day after day, government, no matter what level, bringing very little to the table. Richard Zussman, Global News, Victoria. Across Canada run to bring awareness to honour and uh, bring healing to missing and murdered Indigenous women and men has come to an end in Victoria. Johnny Bear Shinbone is fulfilling a vision to run 6,800 kilometres from St. John to the Terry Fox Monument in Victoria. Johnny is 65 years old, the same age Fox would be if he were alive today. It's called Nappy's Run in, in honour of a creator god in Blackfoot mythology. This is something bigger than all of us. It's something that's happening and more awareness needs to be put out there of what is happening to First Nations, um, Indigenous women and men who go murdered and missing and we don't know, you know, what has happened to them. The lists are long, you know, and, and that's, a, that's a reality that some of us have to live with. Johnny Bear Shinbone says the run is inspired by the loss of his great-nephew who was murdered in 2009. The Surrey Hospital Foundation is announcing a new program aimed at helping children and youth suffering from mental health issues transition back home and into schools. The transition team is made up of nurses and youth workers who can connect directly to emergency services when youth are ready for discharge and follow up with them. The project addresses a gap in connecting youth from acute services into services in the community. This is different than what we currently do. We currently refer into services and then agencies will follow up um, or youth and families will uh, independently reach out to those services. Uh, we know that the first seven days out of hospital are critical um, uh, for youth. The RBC Foundation is investing $400,000 into the new project. Searching for clues into the cause of the Knox Mountain wildfire. Why Kelowna RCMP are releasing this map and how you might be able to help. Plus, an air quality advisory is in effect where strenuous outdoor activities are not recommended right now. From the stories that affect us all to a look at what's happening right now around us. When BC needs to connect, BC turns to the source that brings us together. Global News. Kelowna RCMP are appealing for witnesses in the Knox Mountain wildfire, which is now believed to have been human-caused. Mounties have released, released a map showing areas with direct sight lines to the location of the fire. Anyone in that green-shaded area who has video footage or information is asked to contact Kelowna RCMP. Mounties are specifically asking for anyone who might have witnessed any suspicious activity at the top or around the base of Knox Mountain between noon and 2 p.m. on Canada Day to come forward. WorkSafe BC is warning people about the risks of heat-related illnesses as temperatures soar this week. They say employers need to be aware of the risks, both indoor and outdoor, and implement measures to protect workers. WorkSafe BC says between 2018 and 2020, they dealt with an average of 41 accepted claims per year from heat stress. That number increased after the 2021 heat dome. Heat stress can lead to a range of health issues from painful muscle cramps to heat stroke and it can be life-threatening in some cases. And the Metro Vancouver Regional District has issued an air quality advisory for parts of the Lower Mainland. The Regional District says hot and sunny conditions have combined with wildfire smoke to create elevated concentrations of ozone. 
The advisory covers northeast and southeast Metro Vancouver and the central and eastern Fraser Valley. People are urged to avoid strenuous outdoor activities during mid-afternoon to early evening, especially if breathing feels uncomfortable. All right, let's bring in Steph Florian now with a look at our forecast and how long that heat's going to last. Steph? And we're expecting a hazy weekend just back to that air quality. So I've thrown up the index and you can see we're now in the yellow zone, which is moderate. BC Peace in the very high uh, red zone there. So we are climbing as far as this air quality goes and that statement is in place. Let's take a look at these clouds that are rolling in. Some welcome clouds coming in tonight. So we'll see a mix of sun and cloud for your day tomorrow. But we are tracking uh, multiple thunderstorm activity as you can see around the province this evening. We have new warnings in place for Prince George as well as for northern BCP so we are tracking some thunderstorm activity uh, severe and those are moving southeasterly from Fort St. John as well as southerly from Prince George but otherwise it's heat on the coast and to the north. Uh, we're seeing that heat as well for the Fraser Canyon and air quality there in the grey. Uh, we're also going to be seeing lots of haze rolling in and that local smoke. Definitely a situation as well as the fire danger for the entire province, seeing more and more of that red on our map. And of course, we have fire bans in place for almost the entire province. We'll likely see that turn red there as we get into the weekend because we are expecting this hot, dry conditions to continue. Northern BC tomorrow, we're under a mix of sun and cloud. You can see we're expecting some of those dry um, lightning and activity so not great for igniting any new fires of course you can see a lot of that action that is moving south to the southern interior into your day tomorrow prince george at 29 degrees prince rupert at 21 for a daytime high even bella Coola could be seeing some of those thunderstorm activities Kelowna we're and uh, castlegar we're looking at just above that 30 degree mark again that thunderstorm activity is very likely into your day tomorrow we're expecting that even in port alberni some fog burning off for port hardy as well as for tofino uh, which is quite likely for this time of the year and then those temperatures ranging all the way up to 29 degrees but we are enjoying a mix of sun and cloud your five-day forecast sunshine will be really hot blue sky a few uh, low risk of seeing a few showers into your day on sunday and some clouds into your day on tuesday now let's take a look at our central windows weather window here's a beautiful photo cooling off at bunsen lake sent in by ian griffith thanks for that Refreshing. Very. All right. Thanks, Steph. Well, people in New Westminster can relax now that an unexpected visitor has been caught. Police issued a warning on social media today about a wayward bear that had found its way into the city. About three hours later, police tweeted out a couple of pictures of the bear being carried by six smiling officers after being shot with a tranquilizer dart. The post saying they would turn the bear over to the BC Conservation Officer Service to get the bear back home safely. Poor guy's just taking a nap. <laughs> I don't think he would appreciate that. I still don't really understand. I mean, I get why they're in Coquitlam and stuff because it's near the mountain, but when you right. start getting to Vancouver New West, like you've got to travel a long way. People are going to be able to see you. Well, you know, it is um, home to the SkyTrain line, so Expo. Oh, well, you think Millennium, the bear? So well, you never know. It's the it's the fastest way to get around town. That is true. So that is true. Beats walking. Yeah. <laughs> That's why I've never rode the SkyTrain. Apparently, there are bears on it. Um, <laughs> hey, let's not start that rumor. No. <laughs> With uh, Montreal uh, coming up this Sunday, Lions quarterback Vernon Adams is not listening. To any more of the criticism for his six interceptions he threw Monday against Toronto. That's what you have to do, man. Nothing outside of our locker room matters. None of the media stuff, none of the naysayers. 
He will start against the Owls. The Lions have not lost faith in him because he had one bad game. Also ahead tonight. I don't anticipate completely walking away. The godfather of lacrosse in New Westminster, Jack Fulton, reflects on his decades with the Salmon Bellies later. that come to play when BC needs to connect BC turns to the source that brings us together global news you want to get a new photo done is that what you're saying yes as a matter of fact I do it was oh that what we just saw there oh, the, that one didn't bother me so much but they put photos of us in the cafeteria just so I, people know we work here yes and I think the one of me and Jay are gonna give people indigestion we're not smiling. We look very serious. Why are we so serious? We're not that serious. We're not serious people. New profile pics. Okay. Here we go. Uh, throughout the CFL career, there have been moments that Vernon Adams has looked like a number one quarterback. And there have been moments when he's given reasons for his coaches to doubt him. That's why Toronto traded him to BC last season. And again, after looking like a bona fide number one guy with the Lions, Vernon Adams instilled doubts doubts plenty with a six interception game against Toronto. Now the Lions coaches are not ready to demote him. He starts Sunday against Montreal, but of course there needs to be a rebound here. It's back to work for the BC Lions and quarterback Vernon Adams, who was looking to quiet the critics after a 45-24 loss in Toronto. Nothing outside of our locker room matters. None of the media stuff, none of the naysayers, none of the whatever. They were just praising everybody a couple weeks ago, and now it's this. A six-interception outing for the starting QB, but the team is sharing the responsibility. While Dominique Rimes did have two touchdowns, the receiver caught only three of his ten targets on Monday. I feel like I didn't help my quarterback out last game, and he put me in good position, so i got to help him out more. Vernon Adams Jr. looks over the middle. I appreciate what they're saying and stuff, but I know at the end of the day, I need to make better decisions as well. Again, Adams on his back foot. This one, he throws directly into the hands of Robertson Daniel. The crazy thing about that game is we had uh, um, six turnovers, and yet we, we still were alive in the last few minutes of the game. So uh, he was going to be our guy until we literally had no more chance. Even after the six-pick performance, Vernon Adams is statistically among the top QBs in the league. His eight touchdowns leads the CFL through four weeks, and his 1,249 passing yards is 200 clear of Winnipeg Zach Caleros, who is second in that category. I actually was really worried last week when everyone was complimenting our team so much that that's kind of my deal as the head coach is when it gets skewed in one direction too far, I'm always trying to bring it back to, to reality, which is usually somewhere in the middle. Having played on Monday, it's a shorter week for the BC Lions, and Sunday's contest against Montreal can't come soon enough. I, I love this team, man, and that's what it's about. Just, like I said, moving forward, working hard, one game at a time, and just getting better. You know, I know I had a sucky game this past game, but I just want to get better. That's it. There were a lot of Canadians playing at Wimbledon this morning, and there were some casualties. Milos Ronic lost his second-round match. So did Leila Fernandez. She's out. 
Uh, Vancouver's Rebecca Marino lost a three-set first-round match. Even Gabriela Dabrowski got knocked out of the doubles tournament on the women's side. But two Canadians will get at least one more match on the sacred turf of the All-England. And there it is. Wimbledon. And uh, Bianca Andreescu was one of those Canadians. She was taking on Anna Bondar of Hungary. 6-3-3-6-6-2 as Andreescu moves on to the next round. With that being one of her points. Denis Shapovalov taking on Gregoire Barrer. Nice little lob shot here by Shapo. Uh, looks like me. Not the Shapovalov part, but the other guy. Uh, Shapovalov here, great return, wins this in straight sets. So he is off to the third round. Of course, he was a semifinalist in 2021. Well, we found out today that former Canucks coach Elaine Vigneault says he's not going to look for any more NHL coaching jobs. He's basically retired. His last coaching job was with the Philadelphia Flyers. He was fired in December of 2021, but he's still being paid by the Flyers because they owe him on the contract until next year. Vigneault also coached the New York Rangers. He went to the Stanley Cup final with them, didn't win, but got to the final. He also coached Montreal, and of course, he was one win away from a Stanley Cup with the Canucks in 2011. And I would have to say, statistically, that Canucks team was the best team to make the finals and not win. And I know great teams have lost in the playoffs, but I mean teams that actually made the finals and lost. Under Vigneault that year, Vancouver was the highest scoring team in the regular season. They allowed the least amount of goals. They were number one in the power play, number three in the penalty kill. But for whatever reason, the scoring, especially from their big guys, dried up at the worst possible moment. And as we know, the goaltending became a bit erratic as well against Boston. But look at the numbers when Vigneault was in Vancouver. His wins, 313 in the regular season. That's a team record. His win percentage is a team record. He was the NHL Coach of the Year. He won two President's Trophies for having the most points in the regular season. But what ultimately got him chased out of Vancouver by ownership was that playoff win percentage of below 500. There you go. Statistics are nice, but Stanley Cups are nicer. All he needed was one more win. He would have been a legend. He would have the story a... Of he, the, I know. The story of our lives here. The only two statues in front of Rogers Arena are both coaches who made the Stanley Cup Finals. Roger Nielsen and Pat Quinn. Maybe Vino will get one. He would have got one if he had won the Cup, I'm sure. All right. Thanks, Squire. There you go. Up next, the legend behind a legendary lacrosse team. The man who helped lead the Salmon Bellies to decades of success. This is BC is brought to you by Johnston Meyer Insurance Agencies Group. 50 years of trust in your community. Jordan Armstrong here now with a look ahead to Global News at 11. Jordan? Sophie, Surrey Mayor Brenda Locke has announced what she's calling a working group on public safety. Now, Locke claims the working group is designed to enhance collaboration across agencies and diverse communities. Her news release repeatedly mentions the RCMP but makes no mention of the Surrey Police Service. We asked the mayor if the SPS has been invited to participate, and you'll hear her answer at 11. Plus, the latest on the NAV Canada delays at YVR. We'll have an update tonight. Sophie. All right, sounds good. Thanks, Jordan. The new Westminster Salmon Bellies have a long and storied history, and one man has been there for a lot of it. As Jay Durant shows us tonight on This Is BC, at the age of 96, Jack Fulton is still a big Salmon Bellies booster and a lacrosse legend. 
Are you ready to go? I'm ready to go. You ready to go? He would jump over the boards and join the action if he thought it would help the team win. Just gotta put my pads on. Known as the godfather of lacrosse in New Westminster, it was close to 70 years ago when Jack Fulton started with the Salmon Bellies. They brought me in here to give you guys advice on how to play this game. At 96, he's the club's senior director, selling tickets, finding sponsors, helping in any way he can. Fulton served in the Merchant Marines in the Second World War before moving into sports. In 1956, he joined the club as an equipment manager. Before the season was out, he was running the team. Because there was nobody else around. They were looking for anybody. You know, that's how it was. Two years after becoming manager, they won the Man Cup, the Senior Men's National Championship. The first of back-to-back -back titles with some very good teams in the coming years. Well, they were solid in goal, they were solid on defense, and we guys could put the ball in the net. Those dynasty years started after Fulton acquired the late great Jack Bionda, considered by many to be the greatest lacrosse player of all time. If you're going to have a team, a winning team, you build it around him. That's a great player there. Fulton great takes player. his place alongside many lacrosse legends at Queen's Park Arena. That has been Jack's home away from home on game nights. Growing up in our house, the, the joke was, don't graduate, get married or die on Thursday because his dad won't be there. He'll be at Queen's Park. 695 bucks. Whether it's 50 down on the 50-50 or working with fellow supporters. Nice, nice to, see to see you, Jack. Jack Fulton has been involved in the success of the Salmon Bellies every step of the way. I don't think the Salmon Bellies would be around if uh, Mr. Fulton uh, isn't who he is. This has kept me going, but the, the end is coming. It has to. Uh, he's not going to walk away. He's going to be here till the end. There we are. We're set for the night. He's not walking away from the Salmon Bellies, period. Jay Durant, Global News. Nice to see him still out there. If you know someone who has a great story to tell or something unique to BC, don't forget to email your ideas to Jay at thisisbc at globalnews.ca. Also a great name, Salmon Bellies. I always, I've always thought that's one of the great names in mm -hmm. sport. It also sounds like something you might get at a sushi restaurant. And is delicious. Mm -hmm. It is delicious. Now I'm hungry. Mm -hmm. All right, uh, Steph, final word on the weather and then we can go have dinner. Uh, yeah, exactly. It's that time. So we're going to see a couple clouds tomorrow, a mix of sun and cloud, and then hopefully a few showers. And it's a very low risk, but uh, we've got the heat and the humidity as well as that air quality statement. All right. Thanks for joining us tonight. Have a good night, all.